0: This is Glenn Crooks on frame. Ismail Tajiri-Shradi, an important figure in the attack over the last two years for New York City FC, and in January, the 25-year-old signed a multi-year deal with City after he'd accumulated 19 goals and 7 assists in 15 matches in all competitions for the club. Izzy recently returned to full training in preseason in Santa Barbara, and in a moment, my conversation with the Libyan international who will talk about his new contract, preseason, and the issues for the national team in his homeland. Also today, the fabulous career of Christine Sinclair, the Canadian international who recently broke the goal-scoring record for women or men on the international level. One of Sinclair's teammates for Canada was Karina LeBlanc. LeBlanc, the current head of women's football for CONCACAF, spent over 15 years with Sinclair, and she was there on the day Sinclair arrived at her very first training camp at the age of 16. LeBlanc will tell the story behind Sinclair's success while also looking at the progress of women's soccer in the CONCACAF region. Born in Switzerland to Libyan parents, Ismail Tajiri Shradi moved to Austria when he was nine years old and then spent his entire professional career at Vienna until a move to New York City in 2018. A fan favorite for his attacking displays, Izzy took some time on Monday to have a chat after training in Santa Barbara. So how are you doing? I, I understand you hadn't been training in full, but you are now, so that's good news. So nothing serious?
1: Exactly, yeah. So I'm, um, I'm back, and I'm back in full training. Uh, yeah. It was nothing serious. It was just to make sure that there's nothing uh, in there. I'm happy to to be back with the team.
0: Yeah, with those sorts of things, especially at this stage, you don't want to take any risks, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. So it's because, you know, you spoke with the visas and they give me their advice and then the end, but they have to to, to decide. And I think it's the best thing to don't don't make any, get any risk because the preseason is long. So make sure that I get more trainings if I rest in the beginning so I can be fit for the for the end of the preseason. That's, I think, make more sense.
0: Hey, uh, tell me a little bit about preseason. Uh, I, I know your new coach, and, and this for you, this is your third coach in three years in preseason, so that's kind of interesting, but uh, has it been hard, physically demanding, and does that kind of uh, translate into how uh, Ronnie wants to play?
1: Yeah. So how you said? Yeah, this is already my third season here. It's actually very quick. It doesn't feel like it's my third year. So, and three different coaches and three different pre-season. Uh, every coach having his own uh, his own uh, play play game. So yeah, we are, we are now with Ronnie. We have a coach who who want to also have very good uh, things in his head what to well, how we want to play. And yeah, we make sure that we understand him very fast. And this preseason is will be uh, six weeks, so we make sure that everyone know what uh, Ronnie wants from us, and then uh, yeah, to bring it in the in the in the games. And yeah, the training is uh, of course is a preseason. It's always hard uh, training. Also, the training is always uh, intensity. Every day is here. I think it's important for us to to make sure that uh, we go for everything hundred percent and to be ready for the. For the for the season start
0: do you think in comparison to uh Dome and Patrick's preseasons do you think this one has been more physically demanding or no kind of the same I
1: think it's uh, how we say it, it kind of, every coach have his uh, his different uh, different different type of trainings sometimes the one coach want uh, hit the ball but it's still uh, hard the another one have the ball with uh, some coach you have the ball and without the ball so I think every every coach every preseason was uh, was uh, was good for us and uh, yeah, so Rony is a coach that he wants love to to give 100 percent training. he wants us to give uh, every day hundred percent training and uh, yeah we make sure that every player of course me also to to be in everything 100% is sometimes yeah sometimes it's hard sometimes you can't give you 100% but to make sure to be fit and uh, and do every training in uh, in highest level
0: well without uh, sharing any secrets is he in describing how Ronnie wants to play how can you uh, how can you put it uh, if if you could just uh, give us an idea of what what you sense uh, it'll be like
1: uh, i think yeah Coroni he, you know, New York City bring coaches who want to uh, type of coach that uh, that good for us for player. What New York City have, so uh, yeah, we New York City Football Club want, want always have the want to play, want uh, nice uh, n- a nice football that, that for the supporters uh, they will uh, like it they will love it. So we think everyone know what. Uh, of course, it's been now three weeks, but we still uh, have a lot to work to do. What Ronnie wants from us, hundred percent. But yeah, we we try uh, every training to understand Ronnie what he wants exactly, and to bring this in the friendly games first, and then to bring this uh, in the in the uh, official league games. So, so yeah. So he want he want, of course he want have the he, he loves to have the ball. So yeah.
0: So you're gonna keep the ball. But do you sense that there's a little bit more pressing, more high pressing? Do you think that'll be part of the part of the plan a little bit more than in the past?
1: I think we what I had last few years also it was always pressing so about, and this year we we will be, we'll, uh, press again so in the about the pressing it doesn't change I think uh, it's, we keep the same. Of course, every coach have his own pressing uh, system. So, but pressing is for us very important to, to bring the ball uh, as soon as possible uh, to to keep the, to us and to keep the ball down in uh, our team. Because, you know, if you have the ball, you run less. If you don't have the ball, you run uh, more.
0: No question. to Jerry shradi our guest. So, Izzy, let me ask you. So, under Patrick, you played more wide, uh, a wide role. Uh, under Dome, Ah, uh, there were a lot of times where you were more central in those pockets. Do you get a sense of where you'll be with Ronnie? Is its is it going to be in a more wide area, or how would you describe how you think you'll be positioned?
1: Um. Yeah, I think with Ronnie, uh, we we spoke on, yeah, we think that that uh, he know what's the best for me is. I know I, I, will, I know what what he wants from me and I I will try to do this. Uh, uh, Best what I can do in every game, but yeah, I will be more wide inside. Is uh, in the bench how how the how the game is, how how the how the system, which system we play. So is is uh, different in every game. Sometimes I will be wide, sometimes I will be inside uh, inside the boxes. Sometimes I will be more. Yeah, I can't say it now hundred percent what the coach want because we will play maybe different systems, maybe. Uh, how we wanna how you wanna from from the back to to keep the boys will be different so I can say now I will be always white that's that would be not correct so I will be sometimes white and sometimes inside
0: but you still like play taking players on one-on-one right you like
1: that <laughs> I love it uh, to do this in every every game how many often I I want uh, I wish I can do it so many times as I can and yeah I I wonder that we we'll keep going, do that in uh, the next season of uh, also. Uh, that's that's one of my uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. And the coach Ron, he know that, and he, yeah, I, I don't think so that he will uh, say no for for this one. Yeah. Well, is most it... important thing to be healthy, and uh, I think this year will be a good year for us.
0: Uh, fantastic. And uh, this is the first time we've been able to publicly congratulate you on your new contract, which is, I'm sure that uh, is great news for you and your family. And uh, one of the things you said in um, in a statement on the club website is that you said the whole club showed me love.
1: The whole, the whole club showed me love uh, since I arrived here. I remember when I arrived here before in preseason LA, uh, I feel directly the the whole team, the whole staff worked at me, uh, worked at me very, very well. And I just feel like since, since uh, arrived here, see, I feel really, really welcomed, I feel like I say, okay, this will be my my home. And because of this, and then after, yeah, after from the since my first game, Yankee Stadium, I remember my first goal, how the fans going crazy with me, as was, uh, was. Uh, yeah, a goal to remember for me. So, this was the thing. What they said, the whole club show me
0: love. So, what do you think of New York City? I, I I suppose you must like it enough to to want to stay. But I, I looked at the no, Vienna. You come from Vienna, um, where you played your pro ball. Uh, that's a city of about 1.8 million, and then you were loaned to this uh, town, Altoc, which was 6,000. And now you're in New York City with 8.5 million people. So, what was that a bit of a transition for you? Was that at all difficult ever?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was not. Of course, before before I moved to New York, of course you think about it. It will be another city, a different life, a different vibes, a different different energy, a different people. Everything is different. It's very far from uh, from home. It's very far from my family. So all these things are coming in your head, but in end the end of that story, that's yeah, I decided to to come here. And I think this was the best uh, best choice I can make to keep it up and to, to make the next steps uh, to, make, to make the next steps and develop myself. So I think this was a good choice, and how you see, I'm now it's now third season for me here, and uh, I'm not done yet.
0: No, I could see that. And I'm I wondering, is your family, a bulk of your family still in Austria? Uh, are, is there anyone in Libya or is everyone in Austria? No, my family
1: live in Egypt right now. They live there.
0: Ah, okay. And how often do you communicate with your family? Every day, once a week?
1: Uh, every Every day, every day.
0: Oh, that's nice. Who do you speak with?
1: Yeah, Every day, every day. Every day we have exactly around the times and... Uh, I uh, Speak every day with my mom and with my dad, and yeah, with my brothers and sisters also. So yeah, we are always in, in contact. So that's for me is that's for me number one to to keep this doing.
0: Well, well, you were born in Switzerland. Your parents Libyan. You moved to Austria, so you have a citizenship there. You've got your U.S. green card, so you probably have more you have more IDs than anybody on the team, I think. Uh, but but, uh yes you see
1: (laughs) exactly so i have almost uh, i have almost everything
0: (laughs) you could travel anywhere (laughs) but you chose exactly you chose libya to represent on the international level you got your first cap uh in 2018 you have four caps now that was something that was very important to you to play for libya
1: of course yeah when I had to choose uh, which national team I, I don't think about it long because uh, wanna it was always a dream come true for me to play for my uh, for my country for my uh, for my country Libya and uh, that the first game for me was against South Africa it was just a dream come true for me and for for whole for all my family to 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 present Libya this was uh, yeah was amazing uh, feeling and I, should, I and now I want to keep keep doing that and uh, hopefully in the next few months, next few years to present uh, Libya in the future as well.
0: And, and the African Nations Cup, you were trying to qualify in November, didn't quite work out. I wonder how difficult it is. Look, we I don't want to get deep into the civil unrest in your home country, Libya, but it, it has prevented home matches from being played since 2013. Uh, two questions here. How difficult is that for the team to, to not really be able to play at home? And is there any is there any notion or is there any feeling that that that, that might that rule might be uh, dropped soon? That you'll be able to play in Libya?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. It's been now a long uh, a long time, a long it's already been already uh, years that we can't play at home. I think uh, if we can not play at home, it will be uh, will be change a lot of. Of things because I think I'm sure that if you play the last few games the the important games in, at home in Libya we have I'm sure that maybe we are uh, we went last year in uh, Africa Cup because you know if it's the last game and the most most important game and you play a uh, front of 70 80 thousand Libyan uh, fans uh, it's as it's another energy another I think we we, we make it but it was not yeah we can't do anything that's that's uh, we have to take it How? how is it and now we play already Few years already outside from Libya and now I think every for the team is for in the beginning was difficult But now we can't say that uh, We don't say this as a reason that we don't make the African Cup nation. It's been now already a few years So we have now we know how is it we play outside uh, outside Libya and but we have to we have to do our best to, to present Libya and to see mm-hmm. Libya in the next uh, big tournament uh, uh, inside.
0: Well, I hope for your sake and the players' sake that that ban gets lifted uh, soon so you have an opportunity to play at home in front of those big crowds. Mohammed El Mounir, who's with LAFC, uh, I, I think the way it is is you and he are still the only two Libyan players in MLS. I'm wondering how much communication do you have with the, with him, Ismail?
1: Uh, Mohamed Munir, I just wait with him uh, before two days. we had uh, I meet him. we had very good uh, very good day together. we enjoyed. It. we spoke uh, yeah, was good to see him again. Of course, we cannot see each other too much uh, just in the national team when we are together and when we play uh, each other or when he's in new york or or where or when I am in l a, but yeah. But and we we talk a lot we talk a lot on the phone we we have always call phones and see how what's news about him what's news about me and yeah we have we keep always the contact between us and I know Imuni already a few years few years he's a good he's a yeah he's a friend he's very good friend of mine he's like my brother so I'm happy to have him here and hopefully we can uh, make. This year, both of us uh, Libyan uh, brothers.
0: Very nice. And uh, now I know it was just a scrimmage preseason, but I, LAFC got the best of you the other day. So he's up, he's up one on you this season. Anyway, so, um, hey, final question. Uh, you know, when you look at your team, a lot of the, a lot of familiar faces from last year. A team that won the East in the regular season. You know, had to, you know, despite that very disappointing loss to Toronto in the playoffs, very good team. So, what is the what is the feeling? I would imagine uh, there's a lot of optimism in camp uh, as you uh, head into this Concacaf Champions League game.
1: Oh uh, yeah, of course. It was, I think, if if everyone remember the the game, nobody wants speak about the game because it uh, was really hurt uh, that we lost these games. But now we just keep keep uh, keep going keep forward and looking uh, in the looking forward for the for the season and for the for the new conquer cup is the first time for new york city to be in the conquer cup so we make sure that we we prepare very well and to to have a good to have a good start in the in the new year and yeah to to play the first game of Costa Rica and have a good resort uh, to to make it uh, to make it done in uh back home then so everyone i think is uh, excited everyone is uh, looking forward for, for this game everyone working hard in this preseason for 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 this game because it will be the f- first official game so yeah everyone can wait to to play this game and uh, we want just keep going and looking for game after game
0: all right, Izzy, well, good health to you. Uh, once again, congratulations on the new contract. Uh, all you had to do is look at social media. The New York City supporters love you. They were so excited to hear about the extension. And uh, here's to a great 2020 for you and the team. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I appreciate your congrats. And say to friends, I love you, though.
0: New York City's Ijmal Tajuri-Shradi. City with a closed-door scrimmage scheduled against USL side Orange County SC on Tuesday. Then another closed-door session at Inter Miami on February 12th before their opening CONCACAF Champions League match on February 20th at San Carlos in Costa Rica. San Carlos currently in fourth place through six matches in Costa Rica's top tier, just three points behind the front runner Saprissa. And as of Monday, Maxi Morales, who suffered a calf injury over two weeks ago, has still not returned to full training. Canadian national teamer Christine Sinclair scored the 184th and 185th goals of her international career in a recent win over St. Kitts and Nevis uh, in the opening match of CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. And she's now the all-time leading goal scorer, men or women, in history surpassing U.S. forward Abby Wambach. For 16 years, Karina LeBlanc was a teammate with Sinclair for Canada. LeBlanc now the head of women's football for CONCACAF, so busy time for her with the Olympic qualifiers. They're well underway in a couple of different parts of Texas. And uh, Karina, uh, she's at home expecting next month. I get, I have to ask you first, I guess we should publicly congratulate you on, on your pregnancy. <laughs> I just learned it's going to be a little girl, but uh, how are things going? Good.
2: You know, I mean, it's my first time, so I'm everything's new for me, but uh, it's exciting to be able to have the qualifiers during this time, too. I'm bummed I'm not there in person, but, uh, you know, already learning some of the rules of being a mother that uh, the child comes first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how about Sinky? So, I mean, you... Um, I don't have this official but there can't be anybody within the Canadian program that has met sport has spent more time with Christine Sinclair. Uh I know you weren't at the game where she got the record but did you get a chance to watch it and and see the celebration?
2: I did. I did. Of course I did. Uh it was pretty special. I mean, obviously it was a a game where they scored multiple goals so I hope people don't lose the value of what she did but it was a typical type of Sinclair finish to break the record placing the ball where the goalkeeper was not and just doing what she did I mean I think right at the end I mean she celebrated you saw her teammates celebrating you saw I mean a lot of people especially online giving her love because like you said in Canada she's like everybody knows who she is I mean Canadians love her and it's 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 not just Canadians who love the sport of soccer or football it's Canadians who just love her for who she is, how humble she is, how she's a true Canadian, a great Canadian, and just throughout the years how they've seen her just shine and take the country, put it on her back, and 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 deliver. So everybody loves her, and and I think that's what was special is just to see that people finally gave her the attention she deserved um, outside of our country, and it was really nice.
0: Did you uh did you like the celebration, the bowling ball and and the uh. and the the teammate pins and for those who didn't for those who didn't see it she rolled the ball at her teammates and they fell like a bunch of pins
2: (laughs) they did and I was laughing because you Buchanan uh actually was delayed in doing it but yeah it was funny I mean and I think that just shows the 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 closeness of the group and the respect they have for her and even after the game just the words of like she's she's teammates she's the hero of some of her teammates you know what i mean and it's interesting because you don't usually see that people have respect but for people to say my hero like goat all those things it's really nice and i think for a change because uh sink is usually the most humble person she never wants to talk about it Uh, i think she couldn't help but just address that this was special and i know she was happy to get it off her back because that's how she said it she's like i just want to get this off my back you know, um, because she didn't like all the attention. But again, there's times where it, it's it's due and she just has to put up with it. And, and I think it, it was nice to see her react the way she did. I know she got a little teary-eyed at the end. The camera caught her getting a little teary-eyed. And I think that's just a testament to what she's been through. You know, what she, like just she's just been through so much and it's just a beautiful thing to see something like this happen for such an incredible person.
0: So she's 36 now. She was 16 when she broke into the team. So you were there for her first training, her first camp?
2: Yep, I was there. And I remember I, I, I tell the story a lot because we were playing a small-sided game, and she was right in front of the goal. And, again, imagine being 16 years old. Instead of blasting at home, um, she put the ball where the keeper wasn't. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, because a lot of players are just like, oh, I can't wait to score this goal. They'll just hit it hard, which makes it easier for um, me as a keeper to save. But she just took a touch and poisoned, and with the most poise and calmness, put the ball where I wasn't. And I just remember being like, this kid's going to be special. And she did. She ended up being that special.
0: Did she put that one past you or was it another keeper? Yeah. Yeah, it was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that makes it even more significant. Uh, Karina LeBlanc, our guest, she played with Christine Sinclair, who we're paying tribute here to. Uh, Sinclair breaking the all-time international goal-scoring record uh, in a victory over St. Kitts and Nevis in Olympic qualifying. So uh, were you neighbors? I mean, she grew up in British Columbia, Burnbury. Wasn't that close to where you? Burnaby. yeah.
2: it was. It's about 20 minutes from where I grew up. So, yeah, but I was I was older than her, so I didn't get to play against her per se. But again, she came on the national team at 16 and, you know, I'm just a couple years older than her. So I saw her. I mean, obviously, we'd heard about her because she was on the youth teams. And yeah, she definitely made a statement from right from the beginning. And, and she was always one of the players like throughout the years like she was. I mean, if, I, if we go back to big moments in Canadian soccer history, whenever she was on the field, she was a part of it. And and that's one of the things about her is that I think Canada Soccer put out an amazing video. We did one with CONCACAF as well. But it just showed her goals and, and the timing of her goals. It wasn't just she showed a big in the small games. She showed a big in the big games. And, you know, it, it's one of those things because when you talk about it, this is a record for man or woman. And you she's getting respect. Like there are tweets out from professional male players too just saying congratulations I think she she got the respect she deserves but the thing about her was that she never ever made it about herself like even leading into this leading into the world cup leading into her CONCACAF qualifiers whenever anybody asked her about that you just see her be like yeah you know it's a team you know and and I, I don't know I, I I hope people understand how she's a role model because if you have a daughter or even a son it's the humbleness that she went through with this and the, the, the dignity that she went through this whole process with. And I think that's why everybody truly tips their hat off to her. Phenomenal player, but phenomenal person.
0: You know, just to back up what you were saying about uh, scoring in critical situations, just 40 of her 185 goals were in friendlies. All the other goals were in, you know, sanctioned competitions that, uh, that counted in some way. So that that, wow. that speaks to it as well. Yeah, I didn't
2: even know that stat. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you over and over again, there were moments where, I mean, whether, I mean, I think one of the big ones is when we played the U.S. in 2012 um, in the semifinal game to go to the gold medal, and we played the U.S., and he scored three goals that game, and obviously the Americans went on to win. But after that, when we were broken in the locker room, crying and being at Old Trafford, you know, like one of the best games of all of our careers because we were playing at Old Trafford where, you know, many of us grew up just hoping to go watch. In the locker room, she was just like, I've never been so proud to be Canadian. And she literally carried the team that day, like scored three amazing goals. And that's just who she is. Like it's like big time games. You knew that. And I remember the look in her face, like, the look in her eyes—it's just like she just went in, went into the zone. And she's such a quiet, humble, like person who doesn't like to be bothered. But big games—that's when she crosses the line. It's a different personality, and it's—it was amazing to watch her to see it. And, and it's not over, so I'm excited to see it, hopefully in person in this tournament. But I'm excited to see her continue that.
0: So that that 2012 really a remarkable year for Christine Sinclair. 23 goals in 22 matches overall the most goals scored by a woman in the Olympic Games. She had six, including those three against the Americans. And that was a wild game. That was 4-3, a bit disputed. I know you're in a leadership position with CONCACAF now, and you you don't have your Canadian hat on all (laughs) over the place. But we normally think, and you even said Sinky is kind of reserved, humble, but she was fined considerably uh, with post-match comments. So she gets fiery every now and then.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm going to keep my conga cap hat on there, because that is my current job. Um, she does, but, you know, that being a teammate of hers at that time, it was tough. It was a tough call for her to go through that and, and get in trouble, but if, if you know, if one of the things is those comments is probably the reason Canadians fell in love with her even more, because she's always quiet, so when she says something, you know something was a little off, and uh, she said something after the game, and you know, it was taken one way and the words that came out, uh, what some players heard were different, um, but that's, that's, that's old news. I don't want to bring it up again because that yeah. that caused a lot of tension, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like she doesn't, You. you I, I don't think they'll, you'll find another time where she, she spoke up I because that's just who she was. I mean, and with a person who's that incredibly talented with that type of spotlight, you'd expect to have more bad news about her, but, uh, there's no, there's no, there's nothing, you know, because in that game she spoke up because she, she felt that it was, it was the truth, but, and that's just who she is. She's always been someone to speak up for the truth, but in her quiet way. And she, she speaks through the way she plays. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that a player can do. It's not what you say and what you do on or off the field. It's how you play in in the biggest games. And like you said, she scored the biggest goals in the in the biggest tournaments. She, she stood up on her head when she needed to. And, you know, for, for her to get this record, you know, I know the world wanted it to happen during the World Cup, but, you know, it's happened at our qualifiers, which, you know, for us, it was nice to be able to, to recognize her during the tournament as well.
0: You know, and uh, Karina, we're with Karina LeBlanc, head of women's football for CONCACAF and a teammate of Christine Sinclair's for 16 years on the Canadian national team. So uh, one thing that I I always am, uh, you know, I I find it remarkable, too, is that uh, she's a uh, she's arguably the the most uh, the best athlete, maybe in Canadian history. And she did in the sport of soccer. And I don't know anybody that when they think of Canada, they they think of hockey first. Wayne Gretzky, Mm -hmm. you know, but here she has uh, and she could have easily played hockey, I'm sure. And I I love the story that she played baseball, and uh, the reason she wears number twelve is because her hero was Toronto Blue Jays second baseman Roberto Alomar. Roberto Alomar. How about yep. that? You know? <laughs> she got
2: to meet him, and she was like a little kid, and he was like, "No, no, 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 I know who you are," and she's like, "No, I know who you are." <laughs> but again, yeah, <laughs> sorry, continue.
0: <laughs> no, but the but the but the hockey soccer thing that I I think that's uh, and the way the Canadian women have also you know, taking the country by storm in recent years. Back-to-back bronze medals in the Olympics, another Olympics coming up. Obviously, you got to get through qualifying, but uh, it, that, that that intrigues me a bit, that in a hockey country, soccer has become so prominent and maybe the best athlete in the history of Ca- Canada is a soccer player.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think would argue with Graham Gretzky and whatnot, but to be honest with you, I think, especially as a female athlete, uh, that goes to show how powerful what she has done is um there would be few canadians who don't know who she is i mean even the prime minister sent a a tweet out about her when she she you know broke the record um it's it's incredible what she's done and it's especially being a woman too and i think she made canadians fall in love with the sport but because of who she is because canadians I don't know, we tend to be a bit more humble sometimes in what we do. Canadians really connected to her in the way she was. And, you know, her story with her mom having MS and she finally came out and spoke about it. Um, there's so many different layers to her why Canadians love her. And, and I think that's just a testament. It goes beyond the sport. You know, it's it's not just sport people who love her. It's It's all Canadians across the board because it's who she is. And I keep saying this, it's who she is. It's not just what she's done. And I think that's one of the things is like even her coming out of her her quiet shell to to speak up publicly for things that mattered to her to her like her mom having MS like inspiring the next generation and you know for her breaking this record isn't about breaking the record she's like you know before when I spoke to her she's like if I do it I do it if I don't I don't more importantly is that young girls can grow up and now see Canadian women playing football and or soccer. And thinking, you know what, I can do that too. I can step up and represent our country. And you know, it's even unique because some of her teammates now are some of those young girls because of the twenty twelve games. Decided, I want to play for Canada. I want to be like Christine Sinclair. And then imagine them walking in the locker room, and you know, there's Sinclair right there. So she she's she's transcended the sport, but she's she's made it. She's made a way for women in sports, but she's also just made a way where people see her as Christine Sinclair, not just the athlete, but, you know, she's just Christine Sinclair.
0: And now she has the task of helping uh, her team get to the Olympics again. So the semifinalists have been determined, uh, Karina, uh, USA and Costa Rica out of Group A, Canada and Mexico uh, out of Group B. What's your uh, how? how uh, what's your initial take on, on how the qualifying has gone up to this point?
2: Um, you know, it's been interesting because – Different groups, like you, you see, you see bigger score lines, uh, gaps, but you also see different countries developing. Like you know, Haiti, I think coming into this tournament, um, they done well at the youth tournament. So you never know how they would fare against like some of the like against the U.S. And you saw it in that first half. It, it was it was one zero, but it could have been like it, it was a close game, and nobody would have expected that from Haiti so many years ago. You looked at Saint Kitts and, and Nevis, and this is their first tournament, and the, the how special it is for that members association or country, as you guys know, to even make it here. And it wasn't about the scoreline for them; it's it's about the growth of the team because it's the first time they ever made a senior women's qualifiers, like Olympic qualifiers. Um, you know, the 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 game is growing throughout the region, and. So are the top teams are growing and so are the other teams. So for, for, for me, as in the position that I have, it's just exciting to see that women can play the sport and then they can get the attention of other people in their country. And they're inspiring the young ones in their country. You know, the Jamaican women's national team qualifying for the world cup. That was inspiring when being here, you know, I think for them, they're disappointed that they're not going through the next round, but, that's a good thing to have that disappointment because in the past it would always just be, you know, Canada, U.S., Mexico, and Costa Rica. But it wasn't an absolute shoe in this time. And I think that's that's a testament to the game growing. How
0: about the ambition of Haiti at this point? They have some sort of development program that has started to help turn things around. Can you describe what that is?
2: Yeah. So what uh, the president's done is that they go throughout the country and they go through the different provinces and they pick different players and they do try to do it, even men and women. And they take them into academy where they eat, sleep, study, and they're there full time. And it's amazing given some of the t- circumstances of some of these young boys and girls, how this is important because they get to play, they get to train. They've even opened up some of the the games for the com- community to come. So they know how to play in front of big teams, but the success of the teams going to the youth World Cups have meant that a lot of these girls have signed, you know, contracts over in France, and they're getting to play day in and day out. And I think that's part of the development, because in our region, it w- it almost used to be you had to go through the NCAA, kind of like the route that Jamaica took. But um, Haiti is proving that you know, within your own members' association, the president they prioritize football, especially for young girls. It could be a path and a journey. And I think the best is yet to
0: come for Haiti. And on the other side, the Jamaica story is a a great story. Uh, First Caribbean team to qualify for the World Cup. But then um, lately, uh, it's harder times. Hugh Menzies was the coach at the time at at the World Cup. And and he certainly has been public in his comments, just in terms of the finances and how how difficult that's been. Um, Can... uh, I, I know each country has to take care of its own uh, resources, but is there anything CONCACAF can do to help support that cause?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's disappointing whenever we hear news like this. And, you know, sometimes or a lot of times people come down and blame CONCACAF for, for what's going on there. And, and what's unique about this is you have to understand as governing bodies, is like you just said that the members associations have to deal with that situation. It, it's we can't step in and say what people want us to say for us we're just as disappointed about the situation as they are because of course I want to see the women's game grow of course I want to see Jamaica be successful I mean it's personal to me I was a player I knew what it was like to go through and be up against your administration and try to figure things out but we were able to figure it out when I was a player with Canada Soccer And it wasn't easy because change is not easy. You know, not everybody wants change, but I think one of the most important things is that we've got to get to a place where not like, I mean, it's, it's, it happens in the men's game as well, but it doesn't, we don't want to continue seeing it happen in every single country. And this is where we need the, the members associations to step up and do what they can do. And, you know, I mean, I know there's some things that the press know about and there's some things that the press don't know about, but, I'm not allowed to speak about that because that would put me in a tough situation. But from our hat, it's, it's just as disappointing when, you know, you read the articles and some of the articles are, some of it are facts and some, not all of it are facts. And, you know, we get involved and have conversations with presidents and, and ask them, you know, in different ways, how we can help the situation. But, you know, it's, it's, it seems to be a cycle when women's football and being on the other side of the player, I know how disappointing it is. I know how difficult it is. I know how what it, I, I know what it feels like to, to work day in and day out and, and not be rewarded financially for it. I know what it's like to work day in and day out and, and have situations and circumstances be out of your control, but, you know, I just have to have hope that these situations will be solved.
0: And that'll do it for this episode. Special thanks to Karina LeBlanc and also Ishmael Tajiri-Shradi from New York City FC. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.